COVID comes along, suspends democracy, unelected bureaucrats and, and politicians could issue executive orders. They don't want to give up the power. And I try to say that's essentially the great reset. They want to keep that kind of power going. They want to bypass democracy, democracy not necessary. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. In December of 2022, back talking with an old friend, an old guest that my longtime listeners will remember. Maybe new-time listeners, maybe you won't know, but uh, Mark Morano of ClimateDepot.com. I'm sure you have run into that site in your travels across the internet over the years, and hopefully you'll have seen some of our previous conversations. If not, why not type the name Morano, M-O-R-A-N-O, into my search bar, and you'll find some of our previous conversations that we have had over the years. We have talked about uh, ClimateGate Rebunked. Uh, we talked about uh, Paul Ehrlich at one point. We've uh, we've talked about climate and issues swirling around that for several years now, um, but it has been a couple of years since Mark Morano has been on the program, and in that time, he has written a brand new book that is available. It will be linked up in the show notes for our conversation. It is called The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. Mark Morano, thanks for coming back on the program. Thank you, James. I'm happy to be here. Uh, appreciate the opportunity and followed your work for many years, uh, and I got to say, I, I've evolved closer and closer to your views on a lot of issues. So. It, <laughs> it happens, amazing. doesn't it? There is a yeah. rabbit hole that uh, that The more exists. you know, the more you can't unknow. <laughs> that's that's the way I look at it. All right. Well, all right. So let's set the table for today's conversation. Actually, first off, I do want to talk about your book and get into it. But before we do, COP27 just happened um, for people who weren't paying attention in Egypt. And I understand you were there. I'm assuming you did not jet in on your private jet with uh, sipping champagne and <laughs> eating caviar and lecturing the uh, little people about how driving their cars to work and eating meat is bad for the environment. But you did attend COP27, did you not? What happened there? I did. Uh, well, first of all, Bill Maher had a great comment this week. He said, essentially that he's not going to be one of the schmucks driving the three foot car around and that anyone who, who derides private jets has basically never been in one and, and can't uh, and can't complain. So I've never actually been in a private jet. But yes, there were 400 private jets reportedly that flew into this Egypt summit. They had chefs flown in. They were serving all sorts of exotic meats that they want to ban for the rest of us. But essentially what this summit was, and it was actually I called it the most totalitarian UN climate summit. And I've been to just about every one since since 2020. I went the first one I went to was the Johannesburg Rio Earth Summit, United Nations, in South Africa. And I've been to almost every climate. Maybe I missed two or three over the last 20 years. But what they did at this summit, there was this merging going on. John Kerry showed up at a World Economic Forum event, a merging of COVID and climate and the sort of climate agenda and the Great Reset. And he actually said, we're gonna use the, the vaccine template of COVID as a model for uh, fighting climate. Al Gore showed up. Now, aside from the usual stuff of people demanding more money, climate reparations, okay, boring. Anyway, but what Al Gore showed up with was very significant. He showed up with a partnership with Google called Climate Trace, modeled after the COVID track and trace apps, that Google satellites, along with Al Gore, and now trying to partner with the United Nations and other corporate and, and you know NGO, total fascist sort of collusion, are going to be monitoring beginning about 75,000 individual CO2 emitters around the world. It's a Chinese social credit system for CO2. 
So what Gore was explaining and what they're saying is this is going to help enforce United Nations treaties. That's like the stated purpose of this monitoring. Remember, it's all just monitoring. We just need better information. There's no no threat here. It's kind of like we just need to know what's going on. So what they're going to do is if your company is emitting a lot, and this is going to be individual farms, energy plants. Now, keep in mind, humans inhale oxygen. We exhale carbon dioxide. So who knows where they're going to take this? We already know last year the UN and MasterCard partnered up for a carbon monitoring MasterCard uh, that they've developed, and Visa uh, came out with one this year. And the idea is when you hit your CO2 max, your carbon footprint max, your ability to spend money cuts off. We saw that real time, of course, in Canada with the Freedom Convoy when those protesters hit their the tolerance level of Justin Trudeau. Their ability to spend their own, to access their own money was cut off. Their ability to have insurance on their trucks was cut off by a simple phone call and, uh, and, and Justin Trudeau calling them terrorists and then picking up the phone to the bankers and to anyone else who would listen. And everyone listened to Justin Trudeau and he was able to shut them down. So it's the same concept. So that summit uh, was really that merging. And of course, the World Health Organization had a big booth there. And their their message has been climate and COVID, unchecked climate change will lead to more COVID. Ergo, if you don't support the UN climate agenda, if you don't support the Green New Deal or net zero, you're a grandma killer. So that's what was shocked me about this UN summit. It really was this the, the further merging of the, the Great Reset. And climate you know, agenda. I'm so glad that you you connected those threads because they all are part of the same tapestry, and I just don't think people really understand how how intimately interwoven all of this is now with the World Health Organization pushing its one health approach, which is all yeah. about all these other threats to health like climate change, and of course, it all gets woven into the same. Great reset tapestry, unfortunately, and uh, I I would be remiss in my duties if I did not bring up. Uh, it, it's perhaps uh, not so uh, hard hitting, but it was it brought a smile to my face. Uh, watch anti UN climate agenda protest. Skeptics Morano and Rucker glue themselves to museum glass <laughs> in Egypt and are removed by security. Fake handcuffed, a la AOC. People have to see this. It's hilarious. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about that. Well, we've been watching, you know, it was funny, all these just say no oil protests, you have, uh, these are funded by the Hollywood director, I think it's Adam McKay, who did uh, whatever that kid's movie about uh, just up this up or whatever it was called that. And you have the Rockefeller and you have a couple other, those foundation families giving millions of dollars. And so the, the, whatever these protesters you see defacing the painting, spray painting orange or whatever, standing in traffic, this is exactly what the ruling class elite want us, want them to do. These are not grassroots college kids. These are just, they're in most part paid activists, I would assume. I can't imagine they're true believers, although some of them are. And the younger you get, the more likely they're true believers. But so we decided to do a spoof. We went to the Egyptian National Museum. We actually did get harassed by security, but we fake super glued our hand. And instead of chanting no more oil, we chanted no net zero uh, and, and no no solar wind mandate, no green energy mandates. And then we had a security guard and we did the fake handcuff because AOC did this about a few months ago. She put her hands behind her back, pretending she was handcuffed when the police escorted her out. We had a lot of fun with that. That that went viral and we got on a lot of, you know, everyone from One America, Newsmax, Great Britain News, they all covered that uh, because it was so silly. We had a lot of fun with it. It, it, it is fun. And it, it, 
it raises an interesting point that I, I hope people understand that this is all PR and it's all narratives yeah. and it's just media events and spectacles and trying to get attention. And so why not hijack some of that energy? I think that's great. Um, but let's get into the deeper, darker subjects sure. of The Great Reset. This is the book that you have written. Uh, again, The Great Reset, Global Elites in the Permanent Lockdown. And there is a ton of information in here, a lot of footnotes, a lot of citations, a lot of references to a lot of different things. And, you know, I guess it has been a few years since we talked, because I do recall our conversations. We've talked about climate and some of those those types of topics, Ehrlich and the uh, the environmental doomsayers and fear mongers and things along those lines. But I don't think I don't think all of these elements were in that narrative the last time we talked. And now you're talking about the 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 oligarchs, the billionaires, the World Economic Forum, digital the corporatocracy, bank, digital currency, all, uh, exactly digital currency. All of this. It yeah. sounds like you know. It sounds like something I could have written. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> How did well, you get here? Well, I did here? cite you several times in the book, and I used your work, particularly your work on Bill Gates. And what I pr particularly appreciated is you had a transcript of your video, which not a lot of people understand the importance of that. I have so many there's people in the climate skeptic who do the most phenomenal videos, but they only exist in video. And yeah. if you if you have 50 videos that are seven minutes long or 10 videos. People don't talk, but anyway, your work is incredibly organized. But I did cite you extensively on, especially in user research as well. Um, but what happened with this whole thing was, you know, there's a March of 2020 changed the, my political world for me, and I wasn't one of those people who were like, oh, I was worried about COVID at first and went along, and I was, I was opposed to it from day one. But here's the odd part: it wasn't necessarily. Because, uh, you know, I just didn't believe in the virus or didn't like Anthony Fauci overall. I had just come off a year. I was uh, getting all into vaping. This is a bizarre story. But I saw what happened. I don't know how familiar you are with the teen vaping illness. Yes. And I saw how yes. the, C the CDC and the, and the FDA, even though these were from black market, from the street, no regulated things. Pe kids were getting them. They had an additive in them that were causing this horrible lung ailment. The CDC knew this early on, the FDA knew it early on, but what did they end up doing? They issued a decree saying, uh, you know, stop all vaping immediately. You can look at the stats, cigarette smoking went up, real tobacco use went up. So the harm reduction that they'd ever tried to do went out the window and they lied, they knew this. So I had a whole campaign. I started, a, I actually was, had a website, I had a Twitter account. I was actually just fighting this, realizing all the insanity of what was going on and how the public health was using this crisis to get their agenda. What happened, essentially the, the short story on vaping is they want to regulate it out of existence until they can get a similar deal like they have with the tobacco where they can make money off of it. And then, hey, it's free for all. And that's what they're trying to do. With, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here, but it's important to understand my skepticism. So what, what happened with vaping essentially is they're now they've regulated so many small mom and pop. I, a lot of the people you could buy juices from have gone. And so what's happened? You had the big former big tobacco coming in, consolidating and buying all this. And now you have a situation where they're going to be allowed to do vaping, but it's going to be regulated. The government's going to get a huge cut and you're going to lose all that diversity you had. And it's kind of like what they're doing on the Internet. You know, the idea is that monopolies come in, the government, corporate collusion. Anyway, so when March 2020 came, I didn't trust Fauci. I'd also been a student of the work of uh, uh, Michael Fomento. And if you remember the myth of heterosexual AIDS back, I guess he wrote that in the 90s. I had followed all that, but I'd never really followed specifically too much Fauci. But 
I was against the lockdowns. I was interviewed by Bloomberg. I did a video with uh, uh, the Canadian Regulator Watch at the end of March of 2020, just going on about this was the greatest mistake President Trump ever made as president. He ended his presidency the day that he declared the COVID emergency. And then when he did the two weeks to flatten the curve, that was it. It was done. He was finished. He tanked the economy. And he also uh, did the, uh, uh, allowed the mail-in balloting, which they, again, these are visions that they always wanted. They used COVID the same way they use climate to get their agenda. It's not about what it's about. And the same thing with vaping. It wasn't about, oh, we need to save these teens. If they wanted to save the teens, they would have said, do not buy black market uh, vapes, but they didn't. They said, stop vaping altogether, which then, of course, you know, was people just dismissed it. Anyway, so that's how I had the skepticism. So in March of 2020, we saw essentially a version of the Green New Deal imposed globally overnight. Travel, limited. Okay, Greta Thunberg's vision came true. Kids got to skip school for, in some cases, up to two years. You know, Greta was saying, skip school to save the climate. Well, they skipped school. Transportation, they had uh, bans. Uh, Biden administration even talked about bans on interstate travel. You had people talking about how wonderful it was that emissions were dropping, that nature was returning to cities, that the air was cleaner than ever, and that this is the kind of things we should have done. You had Teen Vogue activists saying, if we can shut the world for a, a virus, we can do the same for climate. John Kerry saying COVID and climate are uh, literally the same thing. You, you can look at one and the other, they're identical. Al Gore basically said the same thing. And I had a whole list. My first report that, that was sort of the red pilling on everything was about how the environmentalists embraced the COVID lockdowns as a way forward with, with climate. And after that, I started, everything was incredible. And I, I like to say what I saw happen in COVID is that book from 1985, I think it was called Everything I Learned, Everything I Needed to Learn, I Learned in Kindergarten, that famous book. It's like a pop culture book. Well, everything I needed to learn about the Great Reset and COVID, I had learned during the climate debate. You had the same template. So I was, in a, in a sense, as a media person and researcher and journalist, perfectly suited to follow the threads, if you will, because you had the Neil Ferguson model, and I think another one out of University of Washington, which predicted doom unless you do the following. I'm like, holy bleep, that's exactly how the climate works. You know, we predict doom unless you go full Marxist, unless you support the Green New Deal, unless you support these UNPs. So that part clicked in. Then you had the bypassing of democracy. This is too important. You know, we'd been talking for years how Obama started the Chinification in earnest of America with, you know, they failed with a supermajority in the House and Senate to get a climate bill passed. In two, and I was working in the U.S. Senate at the time, 2000, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, completely failed. People like Al Franken, liberal Democrat from Minnesota, refused to support these bills because their own constituents wouldn't like it. So what they decided, we don't need no stinking democracy. I call it the Chinification of America where Obama just did it through executive order, through agency power. And of course, the courts didn't stop him. And he was able to basically impose his version of a climate legislation that he failed just without a vote of Congress. And it worked so well that that became, of course, the template later for the Biden administration. Of course, Trump undid it all, but it's kind of a yin-yang. It was all, you know, in essence, Trump's presidency will soon be forgotten. There's no lasting legacy uh, except for courts, obviously, if, you, if you're getting into that. But in terms of regulation, it was just a blip uh, in terms of that. By the time they got them undone and things were rolling, and we were rolling in America, it got it got redone. So what happened was uh, the all of this, the, the, so that climate thing happened. So the, the, Obama continued that tradition. 
And so the Great Reset came along, and, and you had two months later, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, say it's a rare, narrow window of opportunity by which to reset the world, this time in the name of climate. So my two worlds just merged, COVID, climate. And, and then what was more incredible is that in, uh, I believe it was August or early September of that, say, 2020, Mariana Mazzucato, a Bill Gates, George Soros-funded professor in Europe, did an article where she actually wrote, we will have to face a, a climate lockdown unless we do the following. Now, this wasn't my fever dream conspiracy theory. I didn't invent that term. They used the term, a Gates Soros-funded professor. So that the word got out there. So I started doing special reports on that. Immediately, the BBC, a UK channel came and interviewed. They started calling me conspiracy theorists. They started going off. How could you say this on climate lockdowns? And I did a whole special report on the Great Reset. This is all through my website, Climate Depot. And by that point, I was following all this. And it's incredible how the parallels, you know, the mask mandates and the uh, social distancing were sort of equivalent to the people who had meatless Mondays uh, or all these, you know, meaningless climate things that they do. I'll walk to work on Friday or, I'll, you know, I'll set my I'll do my thermostat or whatever symbolic thing they were doing. It was sort of the same thing in the I'll, COVID I'll world. I'll turn my lights off for an hour on Earth Day. <laughs> yeah, Earth Day. Yes, all that symbolism. And so what was amazing to me, though, is how there was no democracy in anything. So this is what really sort of inspired me to write this book because in the old days, in fact, the Green New Deal, the old days being 2019, you, the Green New Deal was actually introduced in Congress, but it was never scheduled for a vote. There was no hearings and they never passed it. It just, it's still introduced. Nothing ever happened to it in the, in the 2019 Congress. So what happened, they may have even reintroduced it in follow up, but they never scheduled anything. Why? They know it would probably never pass, you know, even with the Democrat majority, because it's t it's too uh, it's too wide sweeping, and you're not going to get all these Democrats. So what they did is Biden announced every cabinet agency will be a climate agency, every all these executive orders which we know about. But they also did this embracing of the financial, environmental, social governance, where the de Department of Treasury is now essentially. And the SEC is now monitoring emissions and, and carbon reporting from these companies. But essentially, they're defunding the oil and gas industry. And then Biden will say, well, there's 9,000 permits we've approved. Yeah, but can you get funding? You've already said you only want about five years, and then you're going to shut everything down. And also, there's so many lawsuits pending from a government environmental group collusion that make these lawsuits that these, these permits are meaningless because no, no idiot would invest their money in something that's going to face years of legal fees and then and be shut down again, probably, and you can't even get the financing for it for a whole host of reasons. And then there's all sorts, you know, the executive orders all impact it. So, so anyway, to make a long story short, I saw how the world had changed. In other words, the most consequential decisions of my lifetime, the closure of churches, the banning, of, you know, curfews by the government, closure of schools, uh, closure of small businesses, the uh, government's canceling of funerals, weddings, visiting relatives, backyard barbecues were all done without a single vote of democracy. These were unelected public health bureaucrats giving an order and, and, and saying this, and then a governor, an executive, a mayor, a, a, a governor, a president get, going along with it. So we had literally a shutdown. So that scared the hell out of me. And so I was looking at how this is done. And then when I saw the climate activists embracing that approach, 
And we see it now, the Associated Press and uh, Washington Post reporting Joe Biden, Jane Fonda just did this this week, urging Biden to declare a national climate emergency. If Joe Biden declares in the U.S. a national climate emergency, the Center for Biological Diversity estimates it will give grant Joe Biden 130 executive powers in which they'll be able to do things like odd even days, ban cars from city, close gas stations, thermostat controls, charging grid, you name it. And not only that, but it's likely the same way the COVID emergency powers, which we're still under, by the way, and we're still under the 9-11 emergency powers, but it's going to grant mayors and governors the same kind of latitude under these executive powers. And remember, there's no criteria by which climate will be solved. There's not, they're never going to say, okay, we've solved it. We'll lift the restrictions now. It only gets worse and worse. And the same with COVID. If we, allowed, if we didn't have any pushback, COVID would never end. In fact, they're already in LA County and Governor New York recommending mandatory masks for RSV, the flu, and all these other ailments. They want us permanently masked as a sign of obedience. So that all shook me up. Uh, and so then I started writing the book. And my book, just to give you an overview, it's not like an in-depth historical policy wonk book. My world is media. I was a communication director. I worked in the Senate. I worked for Rush Limbaugh's television show. I combined, tried to do humor and entertainment. So I approached the book and I approached the Great Reset and the whole globalist plan. It has to be pop culture friendly. It can't be, I wasn't going to do a dense pop. And I've read both Glenn Beck's Great Reset book and I've read Alex Jones' Great Reset book. And I humbly submit, I don't know if I'm biased or not, but I think mine's better than both, only because I give a fun, comprehensive overview without the sort of, you know, they get, they get into a lot of deep, deep rabbit holes. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying if you want to be introduced to the subject, this is for the general public. I have to baby step this out in my world. I mean, I'm going on corporate Fox News, segment after segment, talking about Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. I'm talking about mask mandates, vaccine mandates, talking about digital currency. I'm talking about the abuse of government's emergency powers going back to the Roman Republic through the Middle Ages, 1933 Germany. I'm saying this on Fox News primetime. This is a major change for this to be allowed. So I don't, what I don't do is try to simplify stuff. I try to avoid anything that sounds conspiratorial. I try to avoid a lot of the you know, brain implant nonsense you hear from the World Economic Forum. Uh, I try it because they would just reject me immediately yeah. and say, oh, this is kooky like, stuff he's talking about. I, so, I, anyway, get, that, I get your position. I, I truly uh, understand yeah. where you're coming from, because in order to introduce this to the general public, shall we say, yes, I think yeah. you have to proceed carefully with this, because anything that goes beyond their crazy line is going to be rejected, no matter how real and apparent it, and demonstrable it is. Um, so I, I, I think for the purposes of my audience, this book, I think, would be a great book for introducing your friends who are not there yet, who may just sort of be inching towards the line of starting to wake up. Because I'm assuming my regular audience knows all of the pieces of the puzzle that are in this book. As I say, there's a lot of footnotes, a lot of references, there's a lot of information to be gained here. Um, but this is part of the tapestry that I think I've been weaving here at the Corporate Report for a decade and a half now, and my mind spins in a thousand directions into how all of these different pieces are coming together, and I think, oh, why Big Oil conquered the world? I did that in 2017, and it was all about how the oil divestment thing is just a, it's, it's a, it's a fraud to move us into this new controlled technocratic green system, and, and uh, the digital ID, and all of this. I, uh, again, I think my audience will probably be familiar with that, but 
I'm very glad you brought up this sort of the personal aspect of how you arrived at this because I I believe it was when I was on uh, James Delimpole's podcast uh, several months ago, and as as you know, here's another person who was yeah. talking about climate gate and ringing the alarm who now is very far down that rabbit hole and is yeah, very much good. there with me talking about these types of things. And uh, I believe I'm used with him maybe offhandedly, maybe half jestingly at the time. You know, I think people who are, who are coming from that, that who rejected the climate orthodoxy and understood and saw through this new climate cult probably were e- more capable of seeing through the, the COVID yes. nonsense. And and I just want to quote um, from a little passage you have here about crushing dissent. You say, uh, climate change skeptics have seen this type of crushing of yes. dissent for decades when it comes to climate change. Whether you support COVID lockdowns equates to whether you support the UN Paris Pact or Green New Deal in the climate world. If you oppose mandatory masks, that's like not believing in the alleged 97% consensus yes, on yes. climate. Can the government control the virus equates to can government control the climate. The COVID climate connection runs deep. Amen. Absolutely. I, yeah. I I think all of that is so pertinent to what we're living through right now. Yeah, it really is. In fact, when 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 you're looking at the COVID climate connection, it's just it's it's everything is familiar. I'll give you a case study that um, the 97%. Oh, the Biden administration there's an EPA advisory board. And it was a mixed board before. Trump had appointed all these you know, other independent scientists, and there was a lot of environmental scientists. So when the EPA does a regulation, they go to this scientific board for sort of their recommendation. Well, what happened was within the first, I think, yeah, eight months of Biden administration, they literally fired any scientist who they thought might dissent on any of their upcoming regulations. And the media didn't really care about this, but these scientists were removed from this EPA advisory board. So within, say, a year, when these are all when they're all gone, any dissenting voices, they'll be able to say, well, these regulations are great. We don't our our advisory board has 100 percent consensus. All these scientists agree. And in effect, they're telling the truth, because when you remove people who don't in silence and deplatform them, you literally have nothing but consensus. And that's what I saw for years. In fact, I devoted chapters in my first book, Politically Incorrect Guide the climate change, how professors would stand up and then they would lose their, their either uh, path to tenureship, they would get defunded, canceled. And there was actually a study of a uh, polar bear scientist, a polar bear biologist in the Arctic who was uninvited from scientific conferences and essentially canceled back in 2009. Well, fast forward, we had a Nobel Prize winning epidemiologist, I think it was Michael Levitt, uh, who was uninvited from a scientific conference in, tw- in 2021 because he didn't support lockdowns, not because of his scientific work, but he didn't support, it'd be the equivalent of a scientist who doesn't support the Green New Deal being uninvited because, you know, you don't support a political decision. So the parallels, and I go through that in the book, parallels are incredible. And then bring up something like Ukraine invasion. That was very chilling. In order to punish Russia, we had big tech, Apple, Google, immediately de- get rid of their Google Pay, Apple Pay, and just take it away from all these innocent Russian citizens. And they also, there was talk trying to beg Elon Musk to decommission electric cars, which I didn't even know was a thing until the Russian invasion. Apparently, there's a way you can remotely decommission an electric car. Same way Biden is, by the way, trying to do a national charging grid. Unlike, say, Henry Ford, where you had at least mom and pop gas stations popping up and general stores all around the world, or at least the country, like kind of like uh, 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 on the Waltons, you know, your old general store with a gas pump. Well, what they're doing is the opposite. They want to have a national grid that can be turned off and on. 
and that could be regulated. We're already seeing this happen in Switzerland where people with electric cars are told they can't charge their cars for a very limited amount this winter. So green energy, the whole thing, the parallels between what the World Economic Forum wanted to do and what climate agenda had been doing. The climate agenda was baby steps compared to what the World Economic Forum accelerated to. But of course, in the book, I go back. The roots really do go back, though. Club of Rome, Malthus, overpopulation. It's the same impetus that we had with Paul Ehrlich. In fact, I was on um, Mark Stein's Great Britain News, and there was a there, there's a study, two studies out about fertility. Here's an interesting little tidbit. The New York Times, and again, I cite, the other thing I need to mention about my book, two things. A, I try to make it entertaining uh, and fun. It opens with a quote from Rod Serling. I have all this quote from George Carlin, Bill Maher. I have a whole chapter on, you know, it's no, no longer left and right. It's freedom versus tyranny. I embrace Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who wanted to jail climate deniers at The Hague with three square meals and a cot. I, I say in the book, all is forgiven because of his work on COVID and against the Great Reset. Naomi Wolf, Jimmy Dore, who I literally think is the new Rush Limbaugh. I can say that because I worked for Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> he is the most profound political analyst of our time with the only close second would be Russell Brand. But Russell Brand doesn't have the, Russell Brand stays on one topic. I love the way Jimmy Dore puts out the short videos. His, his analysis is beyond, without peer at the moment and anywhere in American politics. I, I don't even know if your audience knows who Jimmy Dore is. Uh, but anyway, I have a whole chapter on that. So I tried to have fun with that. I think I lost my train of thought here because I oh, <laughs> my book cites, this is why I was attention. My book cites mainstream sources. It's very important. Mm. I don't say according to secret documents or according to this blogger here, it's BBC, Washington Post, New York Times, because and it's the words of the World Economic Forum themselves. You don't need, and, and I think that's very important. When I do a presentation, and I was fortunate enough to have C-SPAN, Book TV, cover both presentations. I was on twice now with The Great Reset on C-SPAN. I get more feedback from C-SPAN than anything else I'm doing, including Fox News primetime. But said, here's what the UK Guardian said. It's not, I never, and I'm, here's what the medical, the Harvard, Harvard uh, Medical School said. Here's what 230 medical journals said. Basically that we'll use the same template for COVID, that, that for climate that we used for COVID. Harvard Medical School merging COVID and climate. Basically, they're both public health, and if you uncheck climate, leads to that. But I was about to say about fertility when I was on Mark Stein. There was a case studies of male sperm dropping due to the vaccine and women's cycles being affected. And consequently, a lot of worry about fertility. So I said, if you go back, and in my world, in 1969, in the New York Times, Paul Ehrlich declared that he wanted to add sterilization agents in, in uh, drinking water and food, not only in Africa, but in the developed world, including the United States. This led to Carl Rowan, the African-American columnist, longtime Washington Post, to say, this is why blacks don't trust our government after Tuskegee experiments, another incredible article. But here they are, fast forward 50 some years, and you have a way now where this government mandated you know, shot is gonna affect our fertility. It's almost as if Paul Ehrlich's vision is being realized but you can't really talk about it in polite society. Even the impolite don't want you to talk about stuff like this. Absolutely right. And you, you hit on another incredibly important point about this, that it, you can't just divide this along traditional left-right politics. This is about freedom versus tyranny and the small L liberalism in the old sense of that word, liberal. Uh, who, who really is on so the side of liberty? Who really is? And it's strange. It makes for some strange bedfellows. I did not expect to see Mark Morano quoting Naomi Wolf, but here we are, right? 
embracing well also i'm very disappointed i mean i pray i was happy that elon musk came out against lockdowns COVID, and he's materially free speech but if you look at what he's done he only reimposed trump because of a stupid poll he wouldn't do alex jones because he said he held his dying baby in his arms uh, elon musk so therefore some emotional reason this is not the save anything. I mean, there's no criteria, no standards. And Harry is just, you know, basically on an impulse and a whim. Yeah, we have someone on our team temporarily. Should we chair for free speech? Great, but he's not the guy. Uh, and if the, I think it was actually, I was alerted to this by Jimmy Dore. There was a 2015 Twitter policy on free speech, which basically said, unless you're harassing or, you know, violating, you know, some kind of threats or violence, you, you, we will, you will not be bothered. In other words, free speech was absolute. It used to be on Twitter. And if there's any laws broken, local and federal police can take care of it. Well, that's all. To me, when Elon Musk comes in, he's sleeping at the office. He's spending 24 hours a day. He's telling the staff to work extra. Forget all that. Come in and say, we're going to do the old Twitter policy and to hell with everyone else. And if you think I'm fascist, then you thought Twitter was fascist from day one. That's all they had to do and lift all the bans, get rid of all the criteria and go back to what they had, which worked so well. He's not doing that. He's doing some convoluted, emotional, uh, ego-driven nonsense. But anyway, so I just that's a message out there to people who think Elon Musk is going to save us. Yeah. He's not. And he's, yeah. a, he's a product of the... Yeah, it's almost thing, like I he's think, part of the billionaire oligarch club and, yes, you know, yeah, in with the World Economic that. Forum. Oh, he's a young global leader? Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> now, here's where, what shocked me most. You know, it's my own political evolution on this. And I, you know, like... I, I used to believe, you know, I was a student of Walter Williams, and I still, still love Walter Williams and economics. I actually had him and interviewed him several times. He, he's quoted me in his columns. And so he, he just died last year, but a year and a half ago. But I was a sort of a free, free market absolutist. But when you see what happens, you know, like the idea is we were told if we do all this with China and trade and subsidies and we'll be, China will become more like us as they get wealthy, well, it ends up China sort of guts our industrial base, and then we're becoming more like China. It's one of the things that sort of shocked me. In the world, you can't just go by this free trade absolutist because you're empowering people who have other agendas that you then become dependent on, which is why the whole green agenda is insane. All it means is we're going to be more reliant on China, 90% of our solar panels, rare earth mining. They'll never apply things like ESG back to China. But even like what you just said, I was just thinking like Bernie Sanders had said, you know, when they talk about the corporations having power, when they talk about too many billionaires, to me, if, when they say, are you a capitalist, to me, if you listen to it, they'll call Bill Gates a capitalist. They call Klaus Schwab a capitalist. The media does. So I say, no, I'm not a capitalist, but it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating evolution, and I'm still sorting my way through it. But I was trying to make a specific point. Oh, the idea of too many billionaires. The problem is you can't say, oh, I think billionaires are great because it's a free market. It shows there's no limits. The problem is once a person gets enough power and wealth, they can then juice the system and increase that at the expense of other people. And I do sound like, you know, I know that was the old Reagan 64 speech. The socialist looks at the fat man and thinks he got that way by because by, he ate the food from the skinny man and he, he derided that. However, it's absolutely true. Look at Elon Musk as an example. This is a guy who used climate ideology. He did all the alarmist rhetoric 10, 15 years ago, got all the government grants. He's worked with all our defense industries and space. I mean, this guy is as close as you get. It's hard to believe he's going to have any real right. impact. But Mark, don't don't give up on the free market. Free markets are a great idea. If only we'd try them, right? It's yeah, Elon not, Musk exactly. mooching off no, no, the no, government, no. right? 
don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying I was sort of, I shouldn't even say absolutist, but I went along with that sort of mainstream republicanism mm. as, oh, this is great. And you can aspire to be a billionaire too one day. It's not really the, you can be a billionaire if you do it, not the way Elon Musk did it. Let's put it that way. If right, Henry exactly. Henry's a billionaire yeah. today, but you know, there's probably a lot there. You know, anyway, I don't want to get into yeah. that. No, uh, but I, I get what you're saying. And it's, but I'm, just, it, I'm re-examining stuff in a way that's yeah. kind of, the, the biggest thing too is that transfer of wealth that happened from the COVID lockdowns, greatest transfer of wealth in history, greatest creation of billionaires. And this was not a free market. This was all based on, again, pharmaceutical profits. Imagine having a product that the government can mandate everyone have to buy. And the government buys it. And even if they don't sell it, they just destroy millions of copies or they claim they'll send it to Africa. People scratching their head. Gee, Africa, there's like COVID never even hit there and they have no vaccines. What's going on here? Gee, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) think it through. But anyway. Sorry, but I'm, I'm rambling. Here, no, no, right? no, but it's all it's all relevant. And I don't know how far you are down the rabbit hole. But once you start getting into, um, for example, my work on China and the New World Order, and you start to find out the way that China was set up to be what it is now by the very oligarchs who are now funding the World Economic Forum yes. Great Reset. It's all part of a grander plan, I think. One other point to make. I never supported the Gulf War 1990 in the U.S. I never supported the Iraq War. I never supported in, occupying Afghanistan uh, in terms of all that. But I've now become almost completely anti-war in terms of that. And I do realize I sound like a leftist when I say the, uh, you know, the military industrial complex. It's all fun. I wouldn't have said this five years ago or three years ago. But I, you know, what I see happening in Ukraine is just uh, you know, appalling. I think only one United States senator. Rand Paul voted against the raid. So in my view, yeah, it's the only, I only have one candidate for president that I'd consider in the United States Senate at this point. But anyway, that's all, you know, that, that, the other thing as I mentioned is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. fascinates me because everything he says about COVID could be applied to the whole climate UN agenda. I, and you might know him better, but I, I get his emails and I try to follow him, but not that closely. I just wonder what his position lately is on climate. He doesn't talk about it. He sort of dropped it. And he does talk about the bureaucratic capture of agencies. And I understand, you know, that concept, especially, you know, the the, uh, energy lobbyists and that. They come into D.C. and they call the shots. Um, But it's a um, I just wonder because I see it like a lot of his children's defense fund has people railing about the U.N. agenda. And I just don't know where maybe he's like the Naomi Wolf. She literally says she's concerned about climate, but she considers the Green New Deal fascist. That kind of climate, that kind of climate activist, I can respect. Yeah, and I don't know. I just, exactly. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering to see where Robert. I went. You had him on, and I think Ezra Levant had him. I'd like someone to ask him how this fits. Does he yes. see similarities yes. between the climate agenda? I think so. But has and next time, asked him that? next time I talk to him, <laughs> when whenever okay. that happens, I absolutely will. But uh, for what it's worth, I am going models. to be on uh, Children's Health Defense uh, TV. Um, the the sort of video service that they're yeah. they're running right now on a regular basis talking about things like climate. So it's at least something that's uh, yeah. being discussed openly on the platforms that he, he supports and is part of. So there you go. Uh, yeah, maybe he's not looking to jail yourself or myself anymore. Uh, Mark, it has been too long since we last talked. Let's not leave it so long for next time. But before we go, tell people how they can get this book without putting money in the hands of Amazon. <laughs> that's a great question. In fact, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of people. Hey, you're talking about the Great Reset, but you're, you had your book at Amazon. The problem really at the moment 
is uh, you can get it from, if you go to my website, well, I actually have an Amazon link, but you can get it from cfact.org. We have a bookstore. You can get it from Regnery Publishing directly as well. But uh, you know, they're, they're, that's the way to get it. But I'm, apparently I'm sold out on a lot of different sites. So unfortunately at the moment, I think Amazon's the only one that still has copies until they get resupplied. So that's uncomfortable. I was gonna just say one thing, as my role as the simplifier, if I'm going on a Fox News and I get a 30 second soundbite, what I try to do to people say, what's the great reset? I say, this is the once free West essentially emulating one party Chinese rule in, um, in the once free West. So what happened is you have everyone from Justin Trudeau, Tom Friedman, uh, and uh, the New York, uh, UN climate chief all praising China's one party rule, admiring the basic dictatorship. COVID comes along, suspends democracy unelected bureaucrats and, and politicians could issue executive orders. They don't want to give up the power. And I try to say that's essentially the great reset. They want to keep that kind of power going. They want to bypass democracy, democracy not necessary. That's my simplest explanation for the general public. But anyway, my website's climatedepot.com and the book is The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. Read both Glenn Beck and Alex Jones. And I think mine's the best overview. Alex Jones has a lot of great history. Glenn Beck has a lot of you know, sort of follow the money and the way Glenn Beck style, which is very good. It's a great trilogy if you want to look at it that way. But what's interesting about the Alex Jones book, I don't know why I'm talking about Alex Jones, but is he went against his type. He co-authored it with someone. So it's a very highbrow, intellectual, historical book, very different than anything you see when you watch or listen yeah, to Alex Jones. Right. But anyway. Yeah. All right. Excellent stuff. Uh, again, I think we should be talking again more often than than not. And uh, it's it's great to have you here and and fighting this fight i am absolutely i will embrace all of these people that are that understand the the gravity of what we are living through just how important this is so thank you for writing this book thank you for broaching this conversation in the mainstream i hope you can continue to do that <laughs> so uh, we won't tell fox about your appearance on the corporate report right <laughs> <laughs> well i got uh you know e, e news media matters they're now just flat out calling me conspiracy theorists and they're you they're not happy with C-SPAN either for even featuring me. They're quoting me from C-SPAN. So C-SPAN, I don't understand how they get away with it. They're still an organ of the establishment, but they're actually very friendly to the Great Reset message. So Interesting. All right. Well, anyway, thank you. At any rate, let's, uh, let's talk again in the future. Mark Morano, ClimateDepot.com. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it.